All right. Hello, Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast. Bonus podcast. Hi, Barrett. Hey, man. I got to tell you, that that name, the Too too Ugly for TV, that shit cracks me up every time I hear it. I've been hearing the joke since you started the podcast, and every time it cracks me up. It's like radio sight gags. It just cracks me up for some reason. <laughs> anyway. I'm glad you like it. I, I hope I hope others find it amusing. That's That's... <laughs> I don't know if you know the story. I, I think we've said it on air as we couldn't decide whether or not we wanted to be called Idiots on Parade or the Too Ugly for TV podcast. So we just took the entire goddamn long, <laughs> ugly name, which, you know, it sort of flows. Idiots on Parade, the Too Ugly for TV podcast. It, it flows. I mean, but it literally it just, comes from indecision is all. I mean, it's just great that we live in a world where you don't have to make those kinds of tough choices. Yes. <laughs> all right. You and I talked a couple days ago very quickly um i, w- I want to start there so sure. pretend you didn't tell me what you told me yesterday about um uh the the we'll just go jump in say hey i just uh, learned this new thing or i just heard this podcast or whatever you told me and go from there even though i have a little backstory just fill in you know which one are we talking about tell me the, specifically the thing about the uh the whole uh the internal groupings and viewer psychology. Is that what we're talking about? I think so. I'm not sure which one we were talking about. I'll the family, there. INT, whatever. Oh, yeah. So, okay, cool. Right. All right. So, uh, talk to a, a friend of mine who's a therapist. Um, she's not a practicing therapist, but she has a degree in clinical psychology and she has seen clients and she does coaching and things like that. And she mentioned to me this thing called IFS, which is internal family systems. And the I am by no means an expert at this. I've had all of, you know, three or four days to look into it. So there you go. The base of my knowledge is based on eh, probably about mm, 90 minutes worth of research. Um, but a lot of it, people make life decisions on less Oh, significantly less, I'm sure, right? Um, but so the whole concept is that we have inside of us a suite of personalities, right? And that each one of these characteristics in our subconscious and our conscious mind, I suppose, have a function. And each one of those things has a, a suite of its own emotions, right? So... Their argument that they're mm, positing, I suppose, is the word, is that let's say you have this angry side of you that comes out in these certain kinds of situations, right? That that side is not truly angry. What it is is it's misapplied, right? That you have this part of you that is designed to protect and manage something in you. And at, at a young age, something happened to you or some experience, doesn't have to be at a young age, but something happened that made you feel threatened. So this characteristic that's supposed to be the kind of coach, your internal coach that, you know, protects you or motivates you to do things or whatever, took on a different role and it became this thing that started protecting this part of you, maybe an innocent part of you, maybe a damaged part, a troubled part or whatever, And it became the protector of that. So anytime you got into a situation, this thing would come out to protect you. And sometimes in situations that it's not really supposed to be in because you developed it at six 
or seven, and now you're a grown-ass man, and you have this protector protecting this little six-year-old part of you that is still alive, that whenever it comes up, you kind of exile it because you... It's no longer applicable to your life, but it's still an important part of your life. And when it feels threatened, even though maybe it shouldn't even be in your the panoply of emotions you have, whatever, it's still there. And every time it gets threatened, this protector comes out and does something to protect it. Even such things as, like, start an argument with your boss or your wife or your girlfriend or, you know what I mean, something ridiculous that kind of fucks up your life, you know what I mean? And so it's kind of about taking all of these families, all of these kind of internal characters that you have and getting them to work effectively together instead of getting them to protect parts of you that don't need to be protected or things like that, which ultimately end up in sabotaging you. Anyway, I said a whole lot of words to say very little because I really don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Um, Like, I just have a cursory view of it. But for me, it brings up the idea of... Like, why it makes sense to me is I think that we deal with this idea of consistency too much. The idea that I'm not this kind of person. I'm not the kind of person who becomes a vegetarian. I'm not the kind of person who practices this six hours a day. Oh, I just can't, right? Like, we have all these, like, ridiculous beliefs about who we are and what we can and cannot do. And I think that this kind of mindset kind of starts to address that, the idea that being a consistent person might just be bullshit. You know what I mean? Like, maybe the the lawyer side of you should be come out to deal with negotiating your salary for your job and not the nice, nurturing, loving part of you. Maybe that's not the part of you that's supposed to be negotiating, right? But we think we're nice people, so nice people don't negotiate like this. But maybe they need to, you know what I mean? Anyway, that's a whole lot of nothing there. So that's the overview. What do you think, sir? Tell me. Well, I think two things. I think I think it makes sense, and I I, we've, I think we talked about this a couple of weeks weeks ago. Um, uh, being having split personalities and pulling out the one you need in the moment. You're not going to yes. um, speak to your spouse the same way you speak to a judge in a courthouse. You're not going to right. speak to a police officer the same way you speak to your child. Um, I like that. The reason I had you bring it up is you you spoke today a little less passionately than you did the other day. And that I find interesting because I've known you for 20 years. And what I was wondering is I had the thought after we got off the phone the other day. And I wish you had the same passion today that you did when we first spoke about it and how curious you were and how interested you were in this um, this this way of thinking. Because what I thought of several hours after we got off the phone was how many of these self-help things have you chased in order to help yourself? And how many have gone the way of the dodo? How many does anybody latch on to in the moment? People that follow and read. And I'm, I'm guilty of the same thing. I'm not coming at you. I, I was thinking about it as far as myself, too, back in the day when I used to read like um buddhist teachings and try and be a better person constantly and i think we talked about this where the conflict which is i i i feel i'm a good person in general but then i say something that i know is inappropriate but i i don't know um just the idea of self-help 
are you constantly chasing what's new and best? It's sort of like a relationship. When the butterflies are gone in a relationship, do you put in the effort to maintain the relationship or do you chase the next girl or, you know, squirrel, shiny object? (laughs) And I'm just applying that to self-help and the idea of you and I have had thousands of conversations of, hey, this way of thinking is really interesting. I think if I apply it to my life, my life will get better. And where do you think that has gotten either of us? I'm, I'm beginning to doubt either A, self-help, or B, our resolve. And ah. either is interesting, and the latter is scary. Okay. It's scary because then we have to, again, we have to Michael Jackson this shit, blame the man in the mirror for all our failings. Oh, because while we can read that. and go, this is really fascinating, I should act more like this, I should do this, then, like anything, after a, a, a couple days, you return to form. You know, it's it's this big swell in the ocean that levels off and then becomes a placid mm. surface again. Okay. All right. Let me... Uh, didn't let see me that coming, a, did you, motherfucker? I, I, I didn't. You pulled a fast one on me. Um, all right. Let me, let me yeah, give you a... Yeah, boys! Let me give you a different angle to look at Go it. Go for it. Here's Here's what I think. I think it takes, if we take the idea, if you take the 10,000 idea, uh, 10,000 hours of deliberate practice idea, right? Uh, I assume that people know what that is, right? But I suppose, right? So there's a theory that it takes 10,000 hours of deliberate practice to master anything, right? Right. And the uh, argue, Malcolm Gladwell. Right. It, it's not, yeah, he's the one who made it really popular. I think it's been, the theory has been around Probably, for a yeah. They, yeah. they say 10 years or 10,000 hours, but, but regardless. So, but it's very specific. They mean deliberate practice, which is a very specific kind of practice. They don't mean just pick up an instrument and noodle around on it for 10,000 hours. Deliberate practice is really like isolating the problem. Like, let's say you're playing an eight-bar piece of music and bar six and seven you can't do. You take bar six, you slow it down. Then you take bar seven, you slow it down. And then you run six into seven a dozen times. And then you run five, six, seven, eight, five, six, seven, eight a dozen times. Then you run the whole piece a dozen times, right? Something like that. That's an oversimplification. But that is what they mean by deliberate practice. They mean actually... You're really you're being very specific stuff, to right? some listeners. Put it this way: You're a baseball player. Right. You spend ten thousand hours in a batting cage. Right. Exactly. Right. It's not. You're going to hit a curveball for twenty minutes. You're right. going to hit a uh, fastball yeah, for twenty exactly. minutes. Every day you go in, right. you're going to hit a different pitch for a certain amount of time, and then you're yeah. done with that day's practice. Yeah. Right. What they mean is they don't mean just sit and play ten thousand hours worth of baseball games. You will get really good if you play ten thousand hours worth of baseball games against people who are really good. But you'll get significantly better if you practice deliberately and then play intensely right that's the theory right so here's what i think i think that over the past let's say decade or two you and i have dabbled in and explored everything from different religious things to different psychological things to different concepts on how to do this and that and the other thing and all this stuff and i think it's all in search of truth something we know that we feel in our gut is the truth right right we can call it truth but it's really like a feeling right it's this thing that you know that your life could be better 
Well, that, now I, the first thing I think of is that it's more than a feeling, and now I want to sing the song, but I won't. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> That's only because you want the, the listeners to not, not disconnect. Not hear me sing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. They all heard it in their head anyway. Once you said it, the song started playing in their head anyway, so they've already all heard it. Yes. So you're welcome for that, listeners. Uh, <laughs> but so I think that what happens is that, like, you know, you wake up in the morning and you think to yourself, self, because that's what I like to call myself, This is this the best it can be? Like, is this really the best, right? Like, is this my life for the next 40, 50 years? Is this what I'm going to be doing? And if, and if you're not okay with that, then you realize something could be better. And so you just start looking. And it doesn't matter. Like, I feel like this is like when you ask your personal trainer what exercise or what diet is going to make me lose weight. It's like, well, the one you stick to, that one, right? Like, I don't know that, and I know this. Well, unless like, it's the all Twinkie diet. Right. Well, right. It's not anything reasonable, right? What In the realm of what we would consider to be reasonable. And I, obviously that changes for different people. But here's what I think. I think that like for many years we tried different things and you grab from each one of them. And if you have any ounce of critical thinking skills, you can pull from all these different things. I'll tell you why I was passionate about the IFS thing, right? It it really is fascinating to me, the idea that we have these things in our lives, in our personalities that are designed to do certain things. And if we use them incorrectly, it forces us, it puts us in a position where we start to do things that are fucked up, right? Like stupid shit. I'll, like what you and I talked about the other day about rotating tires, right? So I go to get my two new tires and the guy's like, yeah, you just need to get an alignment and you can avoid this. I'm like, what do you mean? He goes, well, if you look at the way your tires wear on the inside, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, right, this is just stupid. This is just laziness and stupidity on my part. Had I just, just rotated Just not getting your tires, tires rotated when you're supposed right, to. Right, had them rotated or I had the alignment done when the guy told me eight months ago I should have had my alignment done. I was like, ah, it's not that bad. Yeah, but it is bad because my tires are expensive. And so now it cost me a bunch of money because I was being stupid. It's like you realize in your own life that there are a whole bunch of things like that. You know what I mean? You have a whole, like an array of these things that are just stupid things that if you just did this, this would happen. And so for me, it's really a way of finding the best way for me to root out those things and fix them. And sometimes that's Buddhism. Sometimes it's Christianity. Sometimes it's fucking whirling dervishes. Sometimes it's yoga. And sometimes it's just music. And sometimes it's a good old-fashioned ass whooping that you got to take because you got to get yelled at by somebody. Do you know what I mean? Like, whatever it is, I think that I don't know that I found one way that works, but I found a lot of ways that point me in a direction that seems to be getting better. And that's all I can ask for is that, like, if I apply this, is it working? And if it works, I'll try it. The IFS thing, I really love it conceptually. I love all the literature I've read about it. The few videos I've seen, I haven't loved the presenters. That's so, interesting. I mean, because that goes to something we've spoken about. The, uh, the, the, uh content the the presentation has to be as good or better than the content that the content alone cannot be amazing because people like salesmen they like showmanship they don't they don't just respond to truth they don't just respond to you know what's good for them yeah eating an apple is good for you but god damn if a donut doesn't look better for some reason 
Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, you just it's yeah, it's just a it's a, a different kind of um, approach, I suppose. <laughs> you know, well, I'm just saying, I mean, is that why people like Joel Osteen are so successful? Because they're such good salesmen that they can sell shit and get away with it. They literally sell, send me money and your life will be better. And people send them money. And yeah, Joel's life gets better because he lives in a mansion and, you know, has a church that he doesn't uh, have to open when the city of Houston floods. <laughs> but does it, you know, make anyone else's life better? I don't well, know. But he's a great salesman to someone. People are buying into his bullshit. He has more money than you and I combined by, you know, a by a you know a hundredfold if not more yeah, by, by a pretty significant factor <laughs> but well but let, let me throw this out there right because this is see like i'm getting into all of this like stoicism all this marcus aurelius and all that stuff because i find it to be infinitely practical right and i know that's very like we, we uh, one of the things i want to touch on today if we have time is the coal the whole idea of toxic masculinity and all that stuff right but like if you you're a comic i'm a musician right when you walk out on stage do you know people who are funnier than you who don't make as much money as you do yeah wait funnier than me that are less successful less, than I am? less successful but funnier like people you find legitimately funny but they're not doing well mm, no Okay. Most people I know, I, I know the reverse. I know people that are much, and I'm, it could sound like my ego speaking, but I generally, generally if someone is, is I'm, I'm drawing a blank. I can't think of very many people, because the people that really, truly are funny chase it. They, they go after it. And I would say some are on par as I am, that they're doing the same thing, struggling. Uh, I can think of like, peers of mine who are in the same boat i am in but mm -hmm. i can't think of anybody that is truly truly exceptionally funny and is not giving is not chasing this or gone after it and earning in the same you know arena as i am or you know playing the same clubs okay fair enough here's what i'll say as as a working musician i'll say this I know lots of people who are better musicians than I am who don't make any money. I know lots of musicians who are who are awful and make a great living. I know lots of musicians. I know the latter too. I can I I can pick a ton of comics that are just not good and are right, right. booked all the time. Like I I'm not going to use a name here, but I I don't know if you remember this. I've never talked about it. Uh I used to write for a comedy website, I would interview comedians when their album would come out. Oh, I remember I this, would, yes. Yeah, I would interview them, and then they would post it, and like, hey, check out this interview with this comedian putting out a, a comedy CD. And one of the CDs was so bad that even the audience wasn't laughing. And I'm sitting here listening to it going, how, how does this happen? How, how do you put out a CD where even the audience is sitting there in silence? And the first laugh came like, I looked at my watch, 18 to 20 minutes in when the comedian made a local reference and everybody sort of chuckled like hey we get that they're talking about you know the bard on the street or whatever and then back to silence and then within a year that comedian was on and this will date the 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 experience the um the oh now i'm drawing a blank who's the guy before james corden he was on after letterman the scottish guy 
Oh, I don't remember his name. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So I'll, right after, what's that? Yeah, that that makes sense. That's about where my memory places this. But either way, I, it's uh, right after putting out a CD with no laughter on it, went to L.A., met the right people, schmoozed their way into a TV gig. Not Not a gig, but, you know, like, boom, on TV. And I'm like, interesting. Just amazing how that works, how... Uh, uh, Ferguson, Craig Ferguson. I kept having Craig Kilborn mm-hmm. stuck in my brain, but I'm like, it's not Kilborn. Craig Ferguson got on yeah. TV just with with nothing, nothing in their back pocket. I'm like, well, that's that's fascinating. Well, but I mean, that's a that's a that's actually that's case in point, right? Like, if you look at something like that from an objective standpoint, what it tells you is that talent is not the deciding factor in success in the artistic industry, right? Or at least in the two fields that that you and I work in, or that really what it comes down to is that talent is subjective, right? Because some people will look at Dane Cook and find him hilarious. Other people will look at Dane Cook and think he's an idiot. Some people look at Louis C.K. and think he's I think that's a bad example. I think he's a horrible example. Louis C.K. would be a better example because Dane Cook, you and I had this conversation back in the day where you said, what do you think of Dane Cook? And I said, I think he's a boy band of comedy. And what I mean by that is I think he's going to be extremely popular for a short period of time with a certain demographic. And once they get a little older, they're going to look back on it and go, huh, what I ever like about that? You know, they're going to grow out of him. And that's exactly what happened. That's why yeah. he's not around right now, because... People just grew out of his style of comedy. They said, wow, I liked that when I was 14, but now I'm a little older and it's not that funny. That's arguably the Sam Kinison thing, right? I thought Sam Kinison was hilarious as a kid. And then I listened to it as an adult and I was like, oh, it's amusing. And I still think he's funny, but it's just not as funny because it's very much geared towards a certain time in my life. And I would imagine that like as an artist your 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 goal and this is obviously i can't speak for everybody my goal would be to put out music and then as i grow my fans grow with me and they go with me on the journey of growth right that's That's what ice cube said ice cube someone made fun of him for putting out family movies and he's like you still want me to be yelling about having you know no rights and shooting off an ak-47 i'm rich i have kids i'm older like do you, right. do you really want me to be doing that shit because yeah, i can't and I'm, it's not real to me anymore and i'm 50 something years old and the last yeah. thing i need to be doing is running around acting like i'm a gangbanger who lives in the hood when i live in the in the valley you know what i mean like let's exactly be right yeah it's just a different thing right but i think that like if you if you start to look at the blueprint, right? Like if I look at my own career as a musician and then I go, well, I'm a decent player, I'm not bad looking, I know some tunes, whatever, whatever, but I'm unhappy with my life and I keep practicing to become more talented, to get better and better at the physical execution of something, I don't know that that's actually going to get me the jobs I want, right? I feel like in comedy, in music, in writing, in all of these things, there's a, a a minimum height requirement, right? Like, to ride this ride. You have to be at least this tall, talent-wise, right? But I think once you get over that height requirement, talent-wise, 
it's no longer about talent. It's kind of a given that everybody over a certain age who's been playing this this long has the skills necessary to do the job, right? If you wanted to be in a rock band, if you wanted to play in the Rolling Stones, and this is not an indictment against the Rolling Stones as a band. I think they're fantastic. I love them. They're great. But I think that as a guitar player, eh, anybody with two to five years of experience could play all of those tunes and probably write tunes that are equally as as interesting blues-based, you know, songs. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying they could write melodies and, and write words that are going to be hits, but in terms of just writing the basic music down to, like, you know, Honky Tonk Woman, like, let's be real. Like, that's a great song, and it's a lot of fun, but it's kind of just a blues that's been done a thousand times, and, and anybody with three to five years of experience who practices enough could write that very song, you know what I mean? So what makes them amazing is not their physical ability. It's something else. And that's the thing that I think we need to start focusing on, right? Like, if I'm looking at my life and I'm thinking, well, I think I'm a decent player, and I think I'm good-looking, and I think this and I think that, well let's put those things to the test, right? Let's step out in the world and see where I stand. Where am I? And uh, Okay, well, look. Okay, I am talented enough. I am attractive enough. I am all these things enough. Why is it not happening? Well, because there's a piece I'm not thinking about. And maybe it's attention to detail. Maybe it's showing up on time better. Maybe it's putting on the right clothes, right? Like you show up for a rock gig in a tuxedo. Nobody cares how good you are. You're not supposed to be wearing a fucking tuxedo. You know what I mean? Or maybe... I, I watched uh, American Idol back in the day, mm. and uh, this is an old one when Simon Cowell was still on the show, so I don't know how far back this goes, but there was a girl who belted out a song, and Simon said, you know, he said, why, why do you think you haven't made it in this industry? Why do you think you aren't a star? And she goes, I don't think anyone's given me a chance. And he said, perfect answer, because sometimes it's that. You can be the best. I, I actually, I can't think of his name. I read a quote from a comedian who just had something on Comedy Central or HBO, and he said, I know right now, as I am taping my special, there is someone funnier than me in Topeka, Kansas, who just isn't getting a break, who isn't getting discovered. And, you know, there is real estate involved. Location, location, location. You can be excellent. You can have all the requirements, the height requirement, the the right look, the funny jokes. And if the right people aren't going to pay attention to you, you're not going to get anywhere. And sadly, the truth is, a lot of times those right people don't give a fuck about talent. They don't give a fuck about originality or discovery. Hollywood, I know, I don't know about New York, I don't know about music, but Hollywood lives on heat, where it's a buddy system. You don't get discovered, I don't know how you actually do, but... You know, you hang out with the right people, you come up in groups, and people talk about you, and eventually people start hearing, hey, did you hear about this guy? Did you hear about this guy? Well, I should give this guy a shot. Well, this manager gives this guy a call, and then this guy gets on TV, and that's how it works. It's not, hey, let's and you know, this guy's funny. Let's go to the clubs and see who we like. I've got two stories right here. This uh, one happened to me. I actually hosted a show where Saturday Night Live Scouts were coming to look at someone. And my buddy said, all right, uh, we're going to put this guy up. I don't remember his name. Um, so we're going to put this guy up here. So this Saturday Night Live Scouts show up. And I put up a comedian before the guy they're supposed to see. 
And the comedian goes up and fucking destroys. He was fantastic. I was laughing and going, wow, the guy who's auditioning for Saturday Night Live better be good because this guy just killed it. And he got off stage and the guy from Saturday Night Live or that was auditioning ate a bag of shit. And when it was all over, the Saturday Night Live scouts and the guy that ate a bag of shit left together and the guy that had killed and done so well just, you know, was hanging out with the other comics, didn't even know. No one cared. The scouts were there to see who they were there to see. They were not there to discover. They had it right in front of them and they didn't pay a shit fuck second of attention. It's interesting. And I, I thought I said I had two stories, but there are a bunch like that where I can think of stories where, and I like those stories because they remove me from the equation. I can't say, well, I had this chance with the Saturday Live Scouts. They weren't, I was hosting, you know, by the time they got there, I was just going, hey, you're next comedian. So it's not about me. I love stories that take me out of the equation so it doesn't sound like sour grapes. It's still sour grapes, but it's sour grapes about mm-hmm. the industry, not personal gripes. All right, let me let me throw something out there at you, okay? Absolutely. Because I, I hear what you're saying, and I think it sounds great. Here's my question to you. Was the guy that went up before him so good that they could take people who were not there to see them and convert them into fans? Should have been, yeah. I mean, it was it was a it was a showcase night, so it wasn't a you know you were seeing ten comics in a row. So but I mean, he, like, was the guy like world class funny, or was he just funny? Uh, to be a uh, truth be told, we're talking about two thousand two, two thousand three. Okay. All I remember is situationally, I just have the leftover feeling of just remembering, going, huh, that's interesting. That guy was really funny. The entire audience laughed, including me, and the Saturday Night Live scouts just sort of watched him and then went home with their boy. Well, I mean, what that that kind of proves my point, though, right? Like that. That the, I don't remember a guy's away, name from two thousand two. Well, no, but I mean that the takeaway from that is not the unfairness of the industry or the, you know whatever this guy made it this guy did and so forth so on whatever right it's that clearly talent is not the only deciding factor right like that's what it tells you right like here's a guy like you just the story you just said illustrates a very important point to me that when yes and no to me the point the point is what you make of it you're about to say one thing my idea is that they were told to see one guy they saw that guy they had blinders on yes and here's my thought, and I don't know that this is true, but this goes back to the Steve Martin thing, right? Be so good they can't ignore you. If the guy who went on, right, like, you know why, like, nowadays, well, what, I do a lot of opening band stuff. or uh, uh, Before, I'm going to interrupt you quickly, yeah. to, uh, then I'll let you finish. Mm-hmm. This. I've always disagreed with that quote, because they can ignore you, and they will. But continue. That's my, <laughs> okay. That is absolutely my thought, is sure. they can and will ignore you. Okay, I'll accept that. Here's what here's what I think though, right? Like back in the day, this is way back kind of before our time, right? But we know these stories. I want to say it was New Kids on the Block and Tiffany were touring, right? 
and this is back when Tiffany was a big star. For like for any of you people, you know, under seventy five, Tiffany's a star from the eighties, had like a handful of tunes out. Um uh, one that right? I can think of. That was it. Yeah. She yeah, literally she one. one. She did like a Beatles cover, I think, and then like a couple yeah, of I think things, we're right? alone now. Yeah, right. But you know, we were like little kids when this was going on, you know what I mean? But like I remember reading stories about her years later and talking about like some expose or something she did playboy about that might have been why i read it that would actually make sense um you say expose and i immediately go dirty right well expose expose makes sense i see that leap um so halfway through the tour she was dating one of the dudes in the back in the in the new kids on the block or something halfway through the tour they had to flip it because the new kids on the block single came out, so she had to start opening for them, right? Literally, the tour halfway through went from Tiffany with new kids on the block opening to new kids on the block with Tiffany opening. That sounds now, about right. I can now, see that. Now, right. Nowadays, they don't do that anymore. They just don't do that, right? If They, they literally will not let you go up with a band that is bigger than the headliner, that has a bigger sound, that has better songs. If you have a really killing band, right? I play in a couple bands that are really good. When those guys get really good opening spots, it's acoustically. They will not let them bring a band for that very reason because they do not want other people overshadowing what it is that they have going on, right? Comedy is the exact same way. I I can tell you a quick story where a guy got on television, started playing all the improvs and funny bones. I'm not going to use any names. Uh, So I I hate that I have to say this, like, oh, it sounds secondhand or it sounds whatever. I have direct information on this, but I'm not going to... My job isn't to throw anybody under the bridge or burn my own bridges by talking anyway he got he he was a tv star you know whatever yeah yeah so he got to bring his opening act and he went on his first tour and this happens all the time but the acts he brought were so bad were so la alternative anti-joke just sort of ha you know not even haha that they banned him not him they banned him from bringing his opening act they said all right you can come back and play because you're on tv you can't bring your opening act anymore because you brought someone that was so bad the audience you know hated you but that said it is still the practice for most known comedians anybody that has a manager or any power in the industry they bring their own opening act who's okay at best that's why it's very difficult to perform as an opening act at the improv or funny bone or anywhere you see a celebrity or someone that's got some credits because they want someone that'll just set them up enough and then they can bring it home because if you put someone too funny in front of them you know their their gig is up yeah i mean and i think that that's that's an important thing to kind of notice right like because here's what i think I feel like uh, we can go, we can debate the whole be so good thing, right? But my honest feeling is that at the end of the day, when I go see mm, Tiffany and New Kids on the Block, no, that's a good example. But when I went and saw Richard Bona for the first time, one of my favorite bass players, I was blown away. I didn't go to see him. I went to go see some other stuff. I, you know, was there. I saw him play and I was like, holy shit. That dude is the best bass player I've ever seen in my life in person. By far. Like, it wasn't even a contest. 
So right? good you would gay marry him? I would consider it. You know, okay. I'd at least snuggle. I'd at least spoon with him a little bit. You know, that's, I don't know that's, if I'd marry you know, him, but I'd spoon yeah, with him well, maybe. No. You know, some of that solid rub off on Solid endorsement. Um, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? Like, I have the distinct feeling that if you walk into a room and they're there to see somebody else, but you destroy people peeing themselves, laughing so hard, falling off their chairs, you know what I mean? Applause breaks that you literally have to like put the mic down and wait for people to fucking stop laughing so you can finish telling your jokes. They will not ignore you. I don't believe that that somebody could look at the face of that because even if they're just there to make money, they're going to look at that and they're just going to see dollar signs. They don't have to see talent. They have to see dollar signs, right? Your talent, like you make art, they make money. That's how it goes, right? Your job is to make art that is fucking fantastic, that side splitting, educational, make people pee themselves, fall on the floor, all that shit. That's your fucking job, right? Their job is to get it out there and make money. That's their job. So when we assume that their job is to put out art, we're wrong. Because art is from a, uh, art is like part of a gift economy, right? The, the, like now, like it's, it's like the, the fucking Chappelle shit, right? Like what do you say? Half my heroes either are fucking, <laughs> what do you say? Half Most my of my heroes, heroes even... don't appear on no stamp sample. Oh, look back 400 years and you'll find. Sorry, right, that's, a exactly, that's a song. Right. That's D- different, different, different black guy, but same idea. But different, uh, different realm of entertainment. Indeed, so music versus comedy. <laughs> yes, but uh, I wonder how many people caught that one. buddy never meant shit I'll, to I'll me. I'll say this, right? Anybody who gets that gets a free copy of Nathan's album. If you know what album that is from, email him at idiotsonparade.gmail.com. Uh, I actually don't know that it's that's my email address. I'm address, kidding. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking. But he'll send you a free copy of his CD if you a know download. where that quote is from. Exactly. He'll give you a free copy of a free download. <laughs> I'll give you a free but, download. I'll, <laughs> right. I'll... Exactly. That's what he'll do because he's so generous. Um, my point is this. right? So Chappelle says that all of his heroes either have FBI or are like on the FBI's most wanted or they're, they're convicted sex offenders, right? But... It's funny, right? Like, here's the thing: we don't, we won't, we don't have to talk about like Bill Cosby and shit like that. Let's talk about somebody simple, right? Um, uh, I don't even know who's simple. Look, Curtis Mayfield, right? I love Curtis Mayfield. I love Marvin Gaye songs. I love all this stuff, right? All that old '70s soul shit. The amount of pleasure I've received from those records and tapes and CDs and streams and whatever form I've listened to them on and bought over the years, the amount of enjoyment I've got far surpasses the amount of money I've spent, right? Like what I got in exchange for that was even if I bought a CD at the height of CD prices, $23.99, right? That $23.99 brought me more pleasure than most other things that I've ever spent $24 on. Do you know what I'm saying? So when we make art, the goal is to make something that we're going to give away that keeps making people's lives better or interesting or whatever it is that our goal is, right? The goal of business is to make money. So together, those things work really well, right? You take art and you take business, you put them together, and when it runs well, you get Pixar, you get the Muppets, right? 
you get the police, right? You get the Almond Brothers, you get Earth, Wind, and Fire, you get whatever, like, whatever you want to call it, right? Stephen King, for fuck's sake, the guy's a machine, right? He just cranks out books, but some of them are fucking amazing, you know what I mean? And that's his job, he cranks them out. The job of his publisher is to turn that shit into money, right? Okay. So, mm, now let yes. me push back against this point. Mm -hmm. Um... I have a fr I, Jake, the the other uh, the actual idiot on parade, yes. and uh, he lives in I'm New York. I'm I'm much I'm much pretty enough to be on TV. Yes, <laughs> uh, he lives in New York. My buddy Brian lives in Los Angeles. Uh, separately, they do not know one another. They have never met one another. Separately, within a week of each other, we were having independent conversations, and they both said the same thing somewhat offhandedly. They said. There aren't any talent scouts anymore. All they look at is your Instagram and Twitter feed to see how many followers you have. That's what the industry is looking for. How many Instagram and Twitter followers you have. And you talk about them making money, then they are doing it poorly. Because I can absolutely name this comic, but again, I won't. There's no point in getting anyone angry at me. Um, they took a guy who is extremely popular on Twitter had a bunch of followers, threw him on a late-night TV show to do five minutes of comedy. And it was so horrible. Like, first of all, because he had so many Twitter followers, he got all this attention, like, hey, are you following this guy on Twitter? He got management, he got agents, he got everything. They're like, oh, my God, we got to sign this guy. Quick, 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 sign him, sign him. And they did, and they threw him on TV. And he did so horribly that they scrubbed his appearance. This is at an age when... You know, the very next day, Conan and Colbert and everybody, everybody puts the comedian and a couple clips and Fallon, they all put clips on the web the very next day. And that happened, and people ripped a copy of this, so you can still find it, but there's no official copy because they were so panicked that people would see behind Oz's curtain that they just, they, they, no, we got we to gotta keep pushing this guy, and we can't have this horrible, horrible, unfunny set out there. I mean, you have no idea how uncomfortable it is to watch a comedian doing six minutes to silence on television because, you know, they have the lights that say laugh now, applaud, and they have, you know, between. I don't know if anybody listening knows this, but when they go to commercial on the actual program, they do break when they are recording it. So they say, and, you know, we'll be right back. And then they actually pause recording for 30 seconds, but they have guys that come out and talk to the live audience like, hey, is everybody having a fun time? Uh, we're going to be back from commercial in a second. Keep that energy up. So they come out and say, hey, we got a comedian coming out. You know, get your energy up and blah, blah, blah. And then they come back from fake commercial because it's not live. But either way, it's so uncomfortable to watch someone just tank. And that's what happened. And so if they wanted to make money, you'd think they'd have a vetting process. You'd think that they would examine ability first. But I'm telling you, the system's broken. They want money, but they don't care about anything other than just throw this against the wall and see if it works. Fuck it, moving on. And they don't move on very quickly. Sometimes they can, you know, keep pushing, a, beating a dead horse. But what if you, as a touring comic, said, you know what? I see that this is what's going on. I'm a pretty funny guy. I see the last 10 people I know who got on TV have 15,000 Twitter followers and 50,000 this and blah, 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 blah. And then what you do is just start, you know, hell-bent for glory, bumping up your Twitter, Instagram, Facebook numbers. 
right? See, like, that's that's what like, I I understand that part of it, and I do try that. I'm just not sure how to do it to their degree. Like, I I, I post, somebody. I tweet. It's I, not, you know, it's that's not the thing. Job. Yeah, your job I, is to like this. Is what I mean. I like, don't want this, bots. I don't want people on there that have no clue who I am because someone added them. But, I I but, that might be what I have I mean, to do is to fake it till you make it. Right. Like and I, that, I mean, I feel like. We, 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 we sit here in circles looking at stuff that we don't want to do, that we find distasteful, that we find unreasonable, while there are literally... I would watch this whole show. What's this woman? The, the thing you... The podcast you sent. The Cheryl Atkinson, whatever. What's her yeah, name? Yeah, yeah. The, 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 the newscaster right. who left CBS because right. of how... Yeah. Right. She's like, well, you know, there's these PR firms that hire people, journalism students, to then go out and dig up these stories to then put them and hire them to work in groups to populate uh, chat rooms and this and that and all this stuff with it so that it starts trending, hashtag this and blah, 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 that, right? And then they do this, that, and the other thing. And then they say, oh, well, this is what's trending. This is what people want to know about. And then the news people who also have that have people who work that same PR firm has people working in the newsroom in the real newsroom and in the like internet fake newsroom world and everything in between they've got a chain of people that pass this carefully manicured information up till it gets to the news so you can sit here and be like listen i don't like this game i'm not going to play and you can choose not to play the game or you and can all say, i'm doing I'm is shooting play. myself in the foot well, you could say, I'm going to play my own way. I'm not going to do this. I'm going to do a more organic approach, more grassroots approach. I want real fans, not fake fans. I want this, not that. And you could do that, and maybe you'll create a world in which this doesn't function like that, which might be great, right? Be the change you want to see in the world. I totally hear that. If you <laughs> I've don't want to be... It fails. Right. You ask you people for anything, the and they just... They, right. What? You're asking me for help? They freak right. the fuck That's out. A, you you want to be the change you don't want to be the change but you want to be successful then do what works if you yeah. see that everybody around you is getting their twitter numbers and instagram follows up then then stop fucking around and go take some fucking pictures of you doing a handstand and fucking post that shit on instagram and be like look at me like here's a great picture you know that picture you stand on on the mountaintop naked grabbing your nuts <laughs> You yes. know that one? Post that shit on Instagram and watch your followers go from whatever you have now to something else. And then put a funny caption there. Make it like a fucking... Um, you mean my wife caption. is divorcing me because I'm doing this? Right, exactly. Say, recent, going to be single after this. Please, Hot women, please send photos, right? <laughs> and, right? Or whatever it is. Like, Or you could say, hey, caption this meme. Like, put it out there and be like, hey, guys, I'm a comic, but I'm also, I want to see what everybody else is doing. It's, the New Yorker does that, right? Don't they do that? Like, in the, yeah. the back of that, put a, put a line to this cartoon? That's all the name, this meme thing is. Just a, a rehashing of an idea that New Yorker's been doing for, what, 30 years, 20 years now? Seriously, right? This shit isn't new. It's like, you know what I mean? It's just a new way of doing shit that people have been doing for fucking since the days of Mad Men. You know, same thing. It's just more sophisticated. So do that. Like, I think that that's how people get followers, right? Because if you have a couple of bots running around making you fake followers and then some real followers think you actually have those followers, so they start listening to you and finding you funny and then start sharing your stuff, did it not work? Wasn't it just priming the engine, right? You prime an engine before, before you start your lawnmower. I don't think this is much different. Do you know what I mean? You're just you're. I can't disagree it. with you. 
But I mean, but that's what I mean. Like when it comes down to this stuff, it's like that's for me. Like it's coming back to this place where I'm like, you know what? I should stop being mad at people for using Instagram to get ahead and just start using Instagram to get ahead. Right? Like, if I believe I have the talent, and I believe I have all this other stuff, but I need a better haircut, some fan some nicer clothes, uh, some better gear, and some other stuff, then just buy some damn better gear, get a better haircut, and put on some different clothes. Stop being mad that that's what I have to do. Stop acting like the world should accommodate me because I don't want to get a different haircut. Or I have a friend like that who will remain nameless, but he's a working musician in New York City. He's not working as much as he wants, but his image is that of like, a fucking metalhead and he wants to play funk music and it's like dude I hear you that you should be able to look like whatever you look like and your talent should be enough but in a world where that is not the case clearly that's not the case then either you follow the dictates that are there or you rebel against them but it's you know being right doesn't necessarily make you successful. Um, you know, it's a matter of principle, right? If it's like for me, I have long hair. If I cut it, I don't know that I want to do that. I it, but at what point is your future worth more than your pride? Right, like that's that's what a goddamn good question. Me. Right, <laughs> like really, like if you really start to think about it, because what you're saying is. This is the argument that you, that you have with spouses and girlfriends and people like that. It's like, well, listen, we can keep fighting about this, but really, the question if it's a question of pride, what's more important? Your pride or your marriage? Your pride or your girlfriend or boyfriend or whatever? Your pride or your children, right? Like, what are we doing here, right? Like... I, I, for years, I let pride dictate decisions that really should have been made with my logic brain, not my emotional, oh, that doesn't feel good, wah. Well, now listen. we're getting into Pulp Fiction. That's pride right. fucking with you. Right, exactly. Fuck pride. Right, exactly. And listen. And, and I can turn anything into a reference. This is a skill. You should figure out how to monetize that. But, but <laughs> I really but, should. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, like that's like real shit. You know what I mean? Like, really, like you look at your life and you start going, this, this shit sucks. Like, this is not how I want to spend the next 30, 40, 50, 60, whatever, however old you are, years of my life. If let's say you're going to die at 90, subtract your age from that. That's how much time you have left. You really want to spend those next years letting your pride make your future shitty. Or you want to, like, get over yourself and then do some shit that is not illegal, not distasteful, just you don't particularly like it. Like, so? I don't like vegetables, <laughs> but I eat them because <laughs> they're good for me. I don't like taking multivitamins, but I eat them. I damn sure didn't like fucking studying, but you have to do it. Do you know what I mean? Like, like this is just real life. Like, I, I feel like I don't want to be all, like, you know, fucking... Uh, right-wing douchebaggy but come on like really like are we so sensitive that like we're not willing to like get our hands dirty you know what i mean like really think about like all the shitty things you had to do in life to get where you are right now you know what i mean like i don't know man i, I think that we expect this shit to be easy and it's not easy it's just life, well it's not right? i don't expect it to be easy but i i 
my my dream is I expect it to be honorable, and I, oh, I well. it's taken me long enough to figure out that that's yeah. not the case either. Listen, <laughs> all right, I, I, I watched this awful, awful movie the other day that will remain nameless, but it's called. Activations no, you can name with, name movies uh, with Antonio Banderas, but <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you what it's called. But it's on Netflix and it's terrible. You should watch it. But it's actually really it's it's a it's a horrible movie with a very interesting subplot. Right, this guy he's like a high powered lawyer who spends way too much time with his job and not with his family his family gets murdered and then he decides to take a vow of silence until he finds them and starts reading all this stoic all this marcus aurelius book called meditations right which is a great book but one of the things in the book that it says there's like a whole bunch of really interesting things right but one of them is that it's i'm I'm paraphrasing here but it says something to the effect of it is folly to believe that evil men will not do bad deeds and i'm like right Like, what is it when you look at the world of comedy or the world of music, right? If we take music, what is it about music that has ever led me to believe that it is fair and equitable? And I can tell you nothing. There's nothing, if I look at the facts of my life and what I've learned, there's not one single piece of evidence that I can think of. Oh, that's not true. There's a couple. But there's an overwhelming preponderance of evidence that says to me talent is not the only thing that matters, that this is not necessarily fair, and that it is a lot about socializing and who you know and who you don't know and things like that. That's what it's about. I can pretend that it's this other thing, but there's no evidence to support that. None whatsoever other than that that's what I want it to be because that's what I think is fair. And I, after watching Animal Planet... I don't think life is fair. I just don't believe it. You know what I mean? I don't believe it. I think we're animals and we've tried to make it fair, but I don't think it's actually fair. I think if you're a fucking lizard and you wake up and the first thing you were born and you crawl out of the dirt and a snake eats you, that wasn't fair. That was just your, that snake's dinner. And if you got away, was it unfair to the snake? You know, you watch the lizard that, the, the one that Snoop uh, narrates. It's hilarious, right? But when the lizard gets away, we're like all cheering for the lizard. But what about the hungry snake? Oh, I never root for snakes just because... Because they're snakes. Yeah, I hate them. And you're, you're a Christian and they ruined, they made us terrible, right? But, but you That's know what true. I'm saying? Like, there is a point at which, like, we have to stop. We have to actually look at the information that we have presented in front of us and make our decisions based on that rather than what we believe. You know what I'm saying? Like, we have to make them based on what we see instead of, or what we perceive. Even our senses are fallible, obviously, right? That's why it has to be an ever-evolving process of, of growth, right? When you say, well, we did this for this and do this and this and this and this and this. It's like, yeah, well, the Bible worked until it didn't. And then you moved on to a different book. And then Buddhism worked until it didn't. And then you just keep moving and moving and moving. I don't think it's if we go full circle. It's not us being flighty or or doing stuff part of it is just outgrowing the stuff that no longer works for you and we did that with books and religion and philosophy and spirituality and all this other stuff but we don't do that in our professional lives really you know what i mean like if i look at my professional life i've been holding on to things that i should have let go a decade ago easily a decade and a half ago i could have let these things go 
and yet I held on to them, but I made advances in other periods of my life. But in this period, contrary to all the facts that were presented to me, I, be I still believe shit that I read or heard about when I was 15 or 16. Like, seriously? That's not okay. That's just stupid on my part. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. That's my thing. Well, anyway, I'm rambling. I do know that you did bring it full circle with the where this started, so we should probably cut out there. It's been uh, sure because you did say that you know once you what you you use this until it's no longer you know it, you outgrow it basically. So yeah. that's where this started, and I think that's where we should finish. Absolutely. Did we solve anything? I have no I idea. I don't know. But let's talk <laughs> about toxic masculinity next week because I oh really absolutely like, yes I, I think all this whole Me Too stuff. I think it's brilliant and amazing, and I think it's kind of high time that we really started doing this. I also think there's a dangerous thing here where... What well, let's talk about it really, next week. Yeah, like we really need to like get into what we really need to do is find a woman to be on this call with us because we can't just be two guys sitting here talking about women as if that's yes, we can. Reasonable. That <laughs> goes with what I had you listen to the other day, which is <laughs> oh remember? right, yes, yep, it's that's true. the whole point. That All right, is true. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, always a pleasure, sir. <laughs> yes, uh, give us your thoughts. Antargoodwin.com, NathanTimmel.com. Thanks for listening. Indeed. See you, ladies and gentlemen. Mm -hmm.